0: Welcome to the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network. You're listening to a new Redefining Cybersecurity Podcast with Sean Martin. Have you ever thought that we're selling cybersecurity insincerely, buying it indiscriminately, and deploying it ineffectively? Well, perhaps we are. Let's look at how we can organize a successful information security program that integrates business culture with people, process, and technology to drive growth and protect business value. Knowledge is power, now more than ever.
1: Imperva is the cybersecurity leader whose mission is to protect data and all paths to it with a suite of integrated application and data security solutions. Learn more at Imperva.com. Devo unlocks the full value of machine data for the world's most instrumented enterprises. The Devo Data Analytics Platform addresses the explosion in volume of machine data and the crushing demands of algorithms and automation. Learn more at Devo.com.
2: Everybody, this is Sean Martin, your host of the Redefining Cybersecurity Podcast here on the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network, where I get to talk about all things cybersecurity in the business. Hopefully, uh in a way that we can operationalize all this crazy tech that we've we've built and spent money on and and uh in in the guise of or with an aim to actually not just protect the revenue, but actually generate growth for the company as well in a safe way and uh, many aspects and facets to talk about there today. We're gonna be looking at the SIM security event and uh, incident event manager. I guess uh, I should probably know the the correct order of that having built one (laughs) for a big yellow company many years ago. Um, But more specifically, we're gonna gonna look at the role of AI within the incident response uh, process and more specifically within a SIM and that assumes it belongs there, which one of one of my guests suggests maybe it doesn't. The other might disagree. And uh, so I'm thrilled to have Mick Douglas on and Dennis Cruz on. Thanks guys for joining me.
3: That's uh, great to be here. It's fabulous. Yeah.
2: yeah, this is gonna be fun. Uh, shout out to Casey Ellis. Uh, he was hoping to join yeah. us. He's caught up on travel. I'm sure he'd have some good insights. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe I'll throw some comments in on uh, on, on the his social app. media when this, when this comes out. <laughs> Who knows? We we might not get to all of it in the time we have allocated. We might need a second episode. So we'll see how this goes. Cool. Um, this is inspired by a, a post that you put on. I think I first saw it on Twitter, and then saw the, also saw it on LinkedIn. So two places, and I think the the interaction mostly came from. Uh, there was a lot on both platforms, but the interaction I saw that that prompted me to say let's talk about this was on LinkedIn. So I'm gonna include links yeah. to both of those. Uh, but Mick, you, you put this out there. Uh, and it basically says, LLMS, AI don't belong in the sim. And boy, the the fireworks started to, to flow. Um, take a moment, if you would, please to uh, share a bit about who you are. And right. uh, some of the things you're working on. And then, uh, and then very briefly, the, the, why you put that out there and then we'll go to Dennis for, for a quick intro from him as well.
4: Sure, all right. So, hey everybody, my name's Mick. I do a lot of defensive hacking. I have helped stand up MSSPs. I've been a client of MSSPs. I've been using SIM since before we called them SIM back when they were called smart log aggregators in 2007. Um, I remember Q1 Labs back before IBM bought QRadar, so I've been doing this a long while. And I wanna be clear, I think that AI belong in the SOC, but they don't belong in the SIM itself. And specifically, I see a lot of people talking about using LLM for various logs, and I'm really struggling with some of the stuff that I'm seeing people do. And unfortunately, a lot of it boils down to the fact that they don't know the environment, nor do they want to spend some time understanding the environment. So they just sprinkle this magic AI pixie dust on it and everything gets suddenly better. And the short answer is that it doesn't because IBM had the Watson AI plugin now for 10 years. And it's actually not a bad plugin, but for the level of effort it takes to set up and maintain, you can be doing a whole lot more interesting work in terms of configuring your, um, like, like doing things like just basic stats. I mean, my goodness, in that thread, I keep on saying, sorry, I'm having a an, an alert go off here that I gotta turn off. This, uh, um, IR alert. So, no, no,
3: is that, no. is that your team uh, uh, going? Just uh, <laughs> the AI and your team going? oh, ooh ooh, careful! That's, that's <laughs> AI
4: team, don't don't talk bad about it. You're gonna be the first against the wall.
3: But, um, you know, AI AI can
4: help, but I don't think again. LLM are not the tools for this. You'd get better return on your effort for doing things like just standard deviation analysis least frequent occurrence most frequent occurrence these are set theory things you don't need ai for that i'll be happy to talk about where ai works great in terms of like helping build out your uh, knowledge base like my god i love using llm for like hey here's a couple bullet points of what we saw and then it puts it into a narrative like that's awesome use that but all too often I, I keep on seeing people just saying, oh, AI and all your threat detection becomes easy. That's not true. It's not needed.
3: Yeah. So, that, so uh, a lot of great comments in there. So first of all, I uh, see, I'm Dennis Cruz. I'm, I actually sit on a whole bunch of different fences these days, which is really cool. So I'm, I'm the CISO of uh, Ralph Holden Barrett, so UK retail organization. I ran you know, an amazing team, you know, we, we run our own sim. We actually had an outsourced for a little while, but now we run most of it. Although we work very close with a whole number of partners that provide us a little bit of that sort of extra sim side of things. I also work for a company called Glasswall, which basically makes files safe at scale for governments. So you know it's quite interesting because it's, you know, we feed in there, we feed into sims in that world. Right. And then uh, I'm also playing around with uh, with the idea of creating a bot for board members. And I call it the cyber boardroom. And uh, you can play around with it, it's called the cyberboardroom.com. But uh, that helped me a lot to understand how it works, where it adds value, et cetera. So the, the the first thing I want to say is that, you know, in a weird way, I think, and by the way, just to clarify, I would completely agree with you in, in, a year ago, before Gen AI, before, you know, ChatGBT, because I was the guy that would walk, go through for a sec and say, anybody here talks to me about AI, I'm walking out right? Because everybody said they did AI, none of them did properly. At best, they had machine learning, right? And I always felt that you guys much better spend the time doing exactly what you described, (laughs) clean up the data, make sure it's properly done, filter it out, you know, every, every vendor in a way, and I get it, because they in a way, it's I think the market failed itself. I think the market went tried to buy silver bullets. So the yeah. so the, the customers, sorry, try to buy silver bullets and might go, hey, cool, look, like, since you're buying, here's a bunch of them, right? So the people that want to sprinkle AI on top of a Gen AI specifically, right? On top of the existing solutions, are the same ones that six months ago bought XYZ, a year ago bought the other thing, two years ago bought the other thing. Probably they are the teams that have 30 tools in their disposable, right? Or 20, or whatever, right? And they barely, they can barely work. And I agree, you know, in that world, to be honest, they probably even need more Jenny, AI than the other crowd, right? But I, I for me, the the, the big moment was when I realized that the new generation, by the way, AI is still a fuzzy word because the thing doesn't think, right? It's just very clever. It's a very clever Google, but understands context, even at the level that we don't fully understand how it works, which should make you think that, hold on, we don't fully understand how actually chatGPT really, really works, right? But it's not sentient, right? It's nowhere even close, right? It's This is about very good context. The, the key part for me was when I understood that it's the thing, right? Actually understood context and understood meaning. And more importantly, you can give it lots of complex data and it produced very accurate analysis of that data. The problem with most LLMs, in fact, I think all of them, is when you don't give it data and then you ask it things. And then he makes up stuff, right? But uh, this guy recently, I, I said, it was very funny. He says, look, people hallucinate, right? Left, right, and center, right? Like the data is already hallucinates left, right, and center, right? So it's not that the LLMs is doing anything new. It's just they're doing it at a bigger level. The, 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 the key points that I feel you made, which is we should be dealing with the basics, right? I kind of have a problem with the concept basics because if there were basics, people would do it, right? The reality is that we have a lot of bad data in a lot of mix, 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 and then we get some meaning out, right? So I, I feel that the LLMs, I, the ability to have an engine that can understand data, like understand context via prompt, produce an output, can basically help in all sorts of areas in that in that chain, right? And and the key part here, and this was a big paradigm for me, shift was to to understand that what we're doing is we're moving a lot of the business logic. Into a prompt, right? So, so let me th- let me give you an example of an area that I feel where in sim, right? And by the way, I'm a massive fan of sim. We we're gonna a bit eventually talk a little bit more about where it, it can play a massive role in the business, right? But one of the biggest things I think everybody talks about was, you know, a lot of data coming in, right? Too much stuff going in, too much noise into the system, right? So I feel that that's, for example, the first place where an LLM can make a big difference. Now. This is where I draw the line. I'm not saying that you feed the data to LLM, you take it out and put it to the SIM. That's not what I'm saying, right? I think that's very dangerous. I think what you can do, right, is to use the SIM to figure out what is the best ways to clean up this data, right? What is the best ways to analyze this data? And for example, build a parser that allows you to go from that amount of data to this amount of of value, right? So you go from that amount of data, that amount of noise, this little amount of value, how you go from there to that amount of value, right? That you feed into your sim. So I think the first area I would argue with, I don't go in bits, right? I think LLMs can, can make a massive difference in how you understand your data, in how you understand what's coming through, in how the humans and the engineers, right? Who are making the sim better, can for the first time have a fighting chance because they could, for example, build custom parsers very easily. They can, for example, understand data structures much more easily because they have the inputs and the outputs. So where where do you sit on that one, right? So using Gen AI, right? And I think let's distinguish all the other AIs that, like you said, sure. were done before, because they were not really AIs. They were machine learning on steroids, right? That sure. we we can now describe intent, right? I, I can say this is a feed from that type of environment, with this type of security requirements, with this type of risk, that it has this type of structure. Here's what it looks like. Here's what I would like to know of it. Or even better, like what, what are the things that is very good at this? Can you help me go from megabyte to megabytes, to megabyte to 2K of data? And then you feed that to your sim.
2: So, it's not in the same. <laughs> I want to be clear, you can do that.
4: You can. I. My question would be, what is the more practical approach for most organizations? Um, for quite some time now, what we do with our clients when we're tuning their SIMs, we will turn on query logging and we will look to see what are the time horizons that they search what are the data sets that they search what are the fields that they're searching on and then uh, after you know 30 days we have a very very strong understanding of what they're using in their data and um you could do that with an llm but you i don't think you need to um and what we would then do is after you know another another month, another like even a quarter of monitoring, then we'll have confirmation that this is the data set that is needed and then purge it either further up at the you know log source or somewhere along the way before it gets into the sim. Because I'm I'm totally in agreement with you that there is a lot of garbage in most so, so
3: here's the point. thing, right? You you could take what you just described, right? And you could build that using an LLM in the middle, right? And and I, I wanna clarify that most of the things I talk about mm-hmm. here, I call it human enhanced or human owned LLM results, right? And and it's not about the m- black magic of dropping a ChatGPT in the middle and going, "Wee, it's gonna work, right? It's, it's about, so it's, for example, it's taking what you just described and making it in, in real time and, and doing it, because so, this is interesting, right? You said, I do this, but your time frames were three months to six months, right? I would argue mm-hmm. that I would like to do what you just described, daily, right? And this is this is the difference, right? The difference is you can now build that logic in a prompt, in a series of prompts, right? That literally start to analyze that data, and then what you can do. So I, this is how I would design the prompt for that. I would design the prompt to say, you know, chat blah, blah, blah. Here is the queries that the users are doing today that they did yesterday right here is what a sim this is a, this is now a, a, a twenty thousand word analysis right of what a good sim will look like or what the data feeds will look like this is this is what good looks like so you, you can create a prompt where you can say "So what we want to do here's the current situation this is what just happens here's the baseline here's what they have right and then you want to query and going right what could they add to their sim Right. What are the the two things they can do in the next couple of days that will make those queries that they just did a more productive? And actually, what what can you delete from the existing data set that they have, which you can also feed to the prompt? So you can see that what I'm doing heres I'm packaging a huge amount of business intelligence right now in a way you have in your head. But at the moment, I would argue that you when you go to organizations, you don't scale because you don't leave behind that thinking. So you do what exactly I described here, and you come in the end with the recipe. You say, oh, what you need to do is delete that data of that feed, et cetera. What I'm saying is, let's leave that prompt that you created in your head behind so that they can do that, and then we can keep doing the more 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 interesting stuff. So
4: there, there's a lot to unpack here. And again, I'm, what you're proposing is absolutely doable. And I'm just saying it's not needed. So... All of that logic that I said about analyzing and looking at what log, logs are being looked at, mm-hmm. that's a script. That is a leave behind artifact. That is done daily. In fact, for most of our clients, what we will do is hourly summaries. So the I, I hear what you're saying, right? and I there are potential use cases. One that you said a little uh, bit ago it was on uh, parsers. That is a fairly interesting use case. But for um, but, but data production, case, I, I okay, don't well, think that you- let,
3: But let's follow your use case. That yeah. script that you created, who wrote it?
4: So the no the script that my crew wrote. Your crew wrote, wrote we it, have right? Different implementations for yeah. the different uh, sim platforms that we support. That script.
3: It's very tied to the inputs and the outputs. It has to be right by design, right in a way it works, right? That script will break as soon as anything new comes along and you won't have the flexibility. My point is that you should be that you, you should not be giving a script. you should be giving a prompt that creates the script, right that evolves the script that maintains the script, right In a, also in a continuous way. And what, and the reason is your script won't have intent. Your script will the have. AI doesn't have intent, though. You keep on assigning no. these terms it, it, to it, AI, it, AI that doesn't it doesn't follow. The well, AI, an
4: LLM, does not understand the prompt and it doesn't understand the response. What most, I'm assuming just for the sake of argument, you're talking about vectorized databases. Yeah, yeah. what AI AI are doing are using proximal vectors to understand how close something is to another thing. It is no understanding at all. And the problem that I worry about is that it's a lot easier for somebody to hose up a prompt than it is to have a script. And you you know, I want to, push back very firmly against the notion that the script somehow is fragile. The script is consuming the query logs that come from the SIN. So the vendor would have to be the one that changes their what their uh, query logging structure is, or somebody would have to turn off query logging. I, I Again, I think AI are very cool. And yes, you can use AI in the way you're describing. I just feel that like what you're doing is using a Formula One race car to go down the street when a regular family car would be more than sufficient.
2: So let me let me ask um, this question, yeah, because I, I, want, I want to bring it, we're, we're kind of, which I love by the way, and I'm sure we'll get back here very quickly in, in, into some of the weeds here. But I, I want to look at the, the broader definition of a SIM. And what mm-hmm. are we pulling in from which sources what are we looking at in that data? And because I, I can uh, I can envision a world where we have data from, uh, from uh, attack, uh, attack paths like MITRE and that kind of thing and then threat intelligence feeds and other things that we can continue, we, it, AI, potentially could continue to analyze and quote unquote learn from and do it in a way where a query doesn't have to take place, right? The machine could constantly reevaluate that script against new information. So I guess what I wanna ask is, what is the definition of a SIM in its current form? What what it needs to be? Does it need to broaden for it to to become available for for your LLM use cases? What do you think? I think
4: that the, and this is something that I think Dennis and I are on very tight alignment is I think that industry-wide, we need to start thinking more creatively of how we use our SIM. One of the things that makes me really sad is, you know, back when I did uh, business analysis before I uh, became a consultant. The um, amount of data that a SIM has, most lines of business would do shameful and horrible things to have that sort of visibility. And for um, a lot of my clients, I love to use a SIM in a very novel way. Like um, one of my favorites, if you do any kind of retail or um, transactional stuff on your website, your SIM is going to be monitoring your production web server. Like, Or at least I hope to God it is. Yep. And the the same logs that you're consuming to see attack indicators can also be used to show health of the business. And for many of my clients, if like, let's say they've got a shopping cart, if too few elements are going into the shopping cart and being bought, an alert gets generated, but not to the SOC. Instead, it goes to the marketing team and says, like, hey, start driving eyeballs to this environment. And, like, the the sim, with the visibility that it has, we should be squeezing that thing dry. Now, a meta way of doing it is asking an LLM, hey, here's the telemetry we have. What sort of, you know, uh, types of value add can we do with it? But that's not inside the sim. That's about the sim.
3: As part of the SIM infrastructure. So I think we've found agreement. I, I will even double down. And I think SIM, of all the stuff we do in security, is probably one of the biggest misses, missed opportunities that we have. Mm-hmm. Right? Like in security, we have the, the thing that is unique to cybersecurity is that and I would argue when a good security team operates in an effective way, is that we're the only team that can speak to everybody, get data from everybody at all levels of the organization, all the way from strategic to business, to executive, to functional, every single team. And, and by the way, organizations don't speak to each other. Right? Like Organizations are these massive, skin offended, schizophrenic freaking entities, right? That half of them don't like each other, half of them hate each other. Even when they like each other, they don't collaborate. They, because if the things are sometimes engineered in ways that the reward system is different, we in the middle are the ones who have to pick up the pieces because if there's an incident we, we almost like we don't the attackers don't care right the attackers don't care that this division doesn't talk to that division right they'll, they'll go right through it so we have an insane asset which is we can get data from everybody right and, and even more interesting we can process it and i'm going to say out of the bat that if a team doesn't have an engineering function then they might start there like literally like you know that's your biggest problem Forget everything else. You need engineers, you need developers, you need to build stuff, right? You need to be able to do that. If you don't have that, it doesn't matter how much you spend on tools, right? And, and we, that's another topic for another thing. I really want to pick up your point of what the sim is, right? I actually think that there's multiple layers of sims, and I I almost view this in, in a three-dimensional, four-dimensional way, right? Like, I think there's, there's the first, maybe you can call the virtual data lake, not data lake, I don't like that term. You have almost like the sum of every raw piece of data that you have access to, right? And you collect it. So that's fundamentally is, is your potential SIM data, right? And that should be massive, right? And I'm a big fan of taking data and dumping it into a storage, right? And then coming out of it, right? So that's the first, I would say, SIM element that, that can come from it, right? Then what we do is we take that and we feed it to environments, which is what we tend to call SIMs. But I the reason i want to make a distinction is because i feel that we should we should almost have three sims in sequence we should have the top big one right who has the potential of all the data which can be used for some type of analysis then you have a created one which is already a massaged version of this where you you go from this amount of data to that amount of data and that already has a lot of signals and i think what we should even do next is take that and process it even further to create what the analyst has in front of it and I, and this is where i feel that the analysts And the data that you should see on a day-to-day should be a very small subset of your SIM data set, right? And should be very focused as making sure that you have high signals. But it should have the ability to load data on demand. So it's kind of like this idea that you want to zoom in, and as soon as you zoom in, you go, oh, give me a second, let me load up, okay? Now, is this what you want? Oh, let me load up. And then you have the ability to go back in time. And what's, and the bit I don't think lot of teams do is that these transitions have to be codified because you need to be able to view it as code so you need to be able to almost lose the value in your final data set because that final data set is just a transformation of what it is and and actually and the point that uh make said about the consumers i think the biggest mistake we do is where we don't open up the same data to other teams and this is one of the challenges I, i keep giving my team is that and it's not easy because you need to solve a lot of things, right? It's very easy when your sim is a world garden and everybody that's in there is very highly trusted. But it means that you cheated because you haven't solved the problem of how do you share data in a secure, in an effective way. But the reality is that if the people paying for the sim, I say architecture, right, foundations is a security team. That is a failure because the marketing team, the business team, the development team, every team in the business should get value from your sim. Because like Nick was saying, the, your sim has all the data that they need right, to do a lot of the analysis. And the interesting thing, it can co- do a lot of correlations because what the sim should be doing, and I saw these guys once describing amazingly, in a way, the sim should be doing a judo move. So it's not about one system to rule them all, which is again, the mistake that everybody does, because it's a bit like, hey, we have five standards, let's create the big standard and now we have six standards and then let's create the Uber standard you have seven. So I also think that the clever scene is the scene that in a way leverage other data lakes leverage other systems so it doesn't go against the weather oh you, you you have elastic you have you know you have Datadog, you have this you have this you have chronicle cool so you you feed that in and you build connectors so you can almost from your sim is also like you shouldn't care where the data come from what you care is that you can connect the dots right in an effective way the problem i think and I, when I when I drill down, I think there's two fundamentals is that we don't expose the data to others so we don't get more eyeballs. Like you know, you know, Mick was saying that you know, actually you might have the marketing team picking up an attack because they don't they didn't want to pick up an attack, they just realized that there was an impossible journey, right? And selling what the hell? Like the profitability just went off the charts or down the charts, right? And they think something is wrong and acts, oh shit, that was an attack, right? I think that's one element. I think the other element is that we create puppies, right, or, 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 or pets in the whole cats, pets versus cat analogy, where most of our sims are the gigantic pets, right? They are one-offs, right? You go to any team and you say, if I deleted your entire sim, yeah, everything, configurations, blah, 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 how fast can you rebuild it? And I can actually argue that most of them cannot even get anywhere close the way I now, and that means it's a freaking gigantic pet right and that means that they have no change control there's no automation there's everything is really dangerous so the amount of innovation that happens in that pet is very limited because also it's very fucking dangerous right you do the wrong query you blow up half your data right so so that's why i, I like this going back i like this principle where you have your data sources throughout organizations some you collect some you get then you have transformation transformation and then you democratize the asset right access to it and i and i go back to gen ai is now a key tool of making this happen because he allows workflows that before were very very hard to do and that's my vision for where the sim is supposed to be right it should be
2: so i, I want to pull on this and maybe Mick give may have some thoughts on this of course um because before we recorded i brought up the idea of the team and is the team capable of utilizing a sim and i think I think the team is capable in the pure security operations perspective. When you describe it as you just did, Dennis, and pulling all these data points together and all these systems together, there's no way a a human is going to connect all those dots. And I think we'll need.
4: Um, You know, like, think of it this way even the most complex river system just starts with a single spring. And um, what a lot of organizations try to do is they try to solve the entire river basin. Mm -hmm. And instead, what you really should do, especially if you're just starting on your sim journey or you find that your sim deployment is like in a really weird state, just be like, you know what, like what, let's just drop everything, forget the noise, what's one thing that if we really nail, it makes our life just a little less painful. Yeah, one looking for perfection. Just you're looking to make it a little better. Find that one thing and then start walking that log through the system. And you're going to learn a ton about how things are set up. You're going to learn a ton about how other data sets should also be set up. And you're not, um, you know, the best SIM deployments that I've seen, they try to have a, a continuous improvement model, but their continuous improvement goals are shockingly low. Most
0: Mm -hmm.
4: like serious sim players are looking for 1% improvement per week, if they're very aggressive. Some as light as 1% a month, if they're very mature. But if you think about that, like 1% a a week, you're looking at about a 50% performance improvement over a Mm -hmm. year, which is insane. So you need to start reframing what a SIM is and a big problem, Dennis, again, I'm in in big agreement with you on your other points, but one that I also need to add, or I would like to add to your list, is that the way we're selling SIM solutions is
3: wrong. But that's why you people, need the Gen AI, man, because you need. Well, least, you, what,
0: it's
4: it's not the Gen
3: AI. it's no, it, it's a it's a turnkey ready
4: ecosystem. No, 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 no. It's no not. It, it needs a lot of tuning.
3: No, it's the point you're making. The selling is not just selling. Is the usage, and this is where I've been playing with the cyber boardroom. Where the big thing that I realized that for the first time I can scale is how do you create messages that are targeted to each person, right? So, for example, when you say we need to sell the sim, well, actually. What we need to do is we need to make sure that the output of the SIM is understandable and is in context to the recipient. So that means, if you think about it, that if I ask you to say, hey, I want to take the data from the SIM and I want to create it that is targeted to this person, that team, that language, that culture, that environment, right? That workflow it would be fucking you crazy, right? There's no possibility you can do it. That's now possible, right? It's possible because, again, you can describe that in a prompt and then the communication. Can be done right and you can still own that transformation mm-hmm. but i want to go i want to go quickly back to the, the point that sean made because i think that goes to the heart of all this right is i think explainability right and i would even argue version control is super important like the idea that you have something over there doesn't matter a sim a person a tool a script that data goes over the fence and they come back with the solution Ta-da! i found it right like it's a bit like you send the soldier in the guy comes back with the freaking yeah i found it right i found i found the magic thing that's the opposite that we want, right? The thing about SIMS and this is about scalability, is how do you, it's about force multipliers, right? How do you get a new engineer, a new person to have super capabilities, right? That is able to operate at a massive level. And the way you, the only way you do that is you is, 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 it kind of take the example that Mike, Mark, Mike was saying, but I, I will describe it like explainability of what happens is about increasing abstraction layers, right? So, so the, yeah, more and more abstraction layers. But what it means is every abstraction layer is highly documented. So what it means, it means that the analysis should get simpler and simpler and simpler and simpler, the higher you go up, and should require less and less and less domain expertise, right, to act on it. But what we need is to make sure that that whole chain is well documented, and I'm a big fan of trying to figure out how to do even with version control. So that means that you, what to me, you don't I'm have
2: gonna, is- I'm going to jump in here yeah. quickly, quickly, because this, this goes to the opposite of what Mick just described, at least in my simple mind. Mick's saying find that important thing and trace it back down. Yeah,
3: but, you, but, but you can do all, that. You're
2: just describing all the feeds. Mm. And I don't know. I'm, I'm just trying to think that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be on the side of LLMs Belong Here somehow in that exploring things, discovering things that you might not and
3: naturally things. have here. But, but it's, and it's, the question is- is the jump right like you you cannot go from this amount of complexity to that negative solution that that never works right and that's not what you want what you want is a chain of analysis right and each analysis because that's what we do right we take a bunch of feeds we consolidate it we create this then we analyze then we analyze but that whole correlation the whole abstraction layers has to be documented and that's what we want to scale and I think wrong, But I think the case you're saying is that start in one place, right? Start in one place and say, I want to make this better. Because the other really cool thing about our world is that we operate in real world stuff, right? So I'm a big fan of taking P3 incidents, running MSP1s, or real real world. Like It's almost like we know this happened, right? Look, the user told us that this just happened, right? Now, we couldn't see it. Now let's understand. Let's look at everything we failed so that that one little thing that we know we missed, right? So it's almost like... I like when you know the solution already, right? You know that this happened. You know that this alert occurred. You know that this thing is there, right? Can you now just zoom in on everything that is missing or is there, right? So we can get that connection. And then that allows us to have one thing that you can then keep evolving. But I think the LLMs bring a huge amount of explainability into the loop when we get it there.
2: Mick? Thoughts. I mean, I, I I can keep going with, uh, with my thought on this because I, I I I believe that if you start with something that you know you want to tackle, you're starting with a premise or an understanding of of how you've done it already. And I guess what I'm trying to point to is that you might find something new in the data by looking at it differently with the help of Technology and and more specifically gen AI that may say that path that starting point isn't the right starting point that path doesn't really matter this is these are these are really the things that matter to whatever it is you're trying to trying to figure out.
4: Yeah, and maybe I'm maybe I'm arguing in a way that's unfair. What you're talking about is just the investigative process. Whether it's AI or a non like a just like a like a a canned Yara that you run, it's looking for some anomaly. And what's more interesting to me is not when the AI gives me expected output or when the canned Yara gives me expected output. What I love is when things go sideways. And like, why is this thing behaving differently and unexpected? And then you can start beginning your investigation because all we're looking for is anomalies. I don't really care what tool you're using. I just care that we can find anomalies. Like here's another way to think of it. All the different data sets that we're dealing with are just slices, right? Stacks and stacks of slices. And what you've got are two complex curve shapes so certain occurrences happen, that's anomalies. Above that, that's alerts and you need to investigate those. The hope that a lot of people have is that AI can help define what those curve spaces are. And that'd be great if they could. The problem is that the LOMs are not aware of what controls you have and if you have a good asset inventory, you might be able to train or build a model that's appropriate to your environment, but like out of the box, they're not going to know that. You're going to have to do some real hellacious um, work in order to have them understand what your environment looks like. And that that's that, that's where I think a lot of the um Lessons that I learned the bitter way back in the LLM days when we first started doing things like Markov chains We thought that was gonna be an amazing win. It it helped in a lot of ways, you know, um, you know uh, Machine learning is a good thing AI is a good thing. It's just I contend that for most sim specific We don't for most organizations. We're not yet at a spot where they need
3: uh, Gen lines yeah I would agree. but I also think that if, if people again want to throw all the data to, to to Gen AI and then get the answer, first of all, we don't have any you know that has the amount of capacity, right? I, I don't think that's the right way. I, I what I the way I look at it is that I want to use Gen AI to create to have the least amount of data in the sim with the most amount of meaningful data in the sim to be able to communicate effectively. To be able to have explainability left front and center and actually to, to teach and, and train. Like the, the thing that remember that the biggest challenge we have is that there's that curse, right? Where you train somebody to be a sim operator, by the time they're really good, they want to leave because now they have a lot of great other skills, right? And that doesn't scale when there's it's a zero-sum game. What I think is more interesting is to again use that Gen AI capability to create learning environments, to create simulations. So so you can do that. So for for example, like it's very easy these days. And, and, and assume that we're going to get better and better platforms to do this, right? So, for example, I could take a dump from a sim or the outputs, and I could create a simulated game for a new cyber analyst, right? And say, by the way, this is the kind of alerts that you're going to get. And you can create simulated environments much better than anything else we had before, right? You can even say, here's the expected answers. Now start asking questions and now teach the person, right? But teach them into context, right? So, and, and that's what I feel that it, it's almost like, I've, it's more like, You know, uh, Jarvis, the good one, in in Tony Stark's world, right? It's kind of like, that's what it is, right? It's not the uber-duper. Like, it's almost like we then ask Jarvis to sing and dance and to compose things and going, well, the hallucinates. That's not what it is. This, This is about giving a mini Jarvis to every single person right and have them that insane ability to suddenly be really good and have access to really good environments and i even see this as a generation of bots right so it's almost like imagine when you start you you get given almost like okay this is level one sim right you get a very small bot you get small data data learn and then as you get better you you have access to more and more and more data sets more and more complexity and the key point i was trying to explain before Mick, is that I feel that a lot of the stuff that we do, we have the prompt in our head, but we leave behind the photograph of that output. I think what's okay. really interesting is to start to live behind the thinking behind it. Mm-hmm. And, and the power of the thinking, i.e. the prompt, is that it's cheaper by orders of magnitude to modify that or to adapt that, right? Then it is the code that, and the structure we leave behind. Right. So you you can think of this as a sequence of prompts. And the beauty of this is that if you start to go into a world where you have prompt after prompt after prompt after prompt of every input and output is reverse engineered and version controlled, you can then every time there's a a bad output or something that doesn't make sense, you can go back. Right. And you can go, oh, okay, where where did my script fail or, or my prompt failed? And then you tweak it. Right. And then you learn the ones that have high confidence, the ones that have low confidence. But I feel that that world allow us to get a huge amount of more value from the same, and then we can communicate upwards and downwards, right? In a much more effective, I would say, language and context. Because again, the context is a prompt, right? If you see what I mean, like, you know, when- I, I'm
4: following yeah. what you're saying, and I, I even agree in a, a large part with what you're saying, um, I guess the main concern that I have um, for the foreseeable future is what you're talking about would be very computationally expensive and
3: but that, they, they, those guys already solved the problem, right? Because they the—if you think about it—the Gen AI crowns, and they're losing money with it. But doesn't matter. In fact, that's coming down very quickly, right? Well, I get that. that I get that. Knife, actually, they, that's I'm, the computation expensive part, right? Is oh, the logic.
4: I, and I am. I and am working with small AI. I've got a um, a project that I'm hopefully going to be open sourcing here in the not too distant future, and it runs on a laptop. Yeah, it runs really nicely. Yeah. But even that amount of chain of prompts to uh, coin a phrase, that would be a fairly expensive
3: uh, uh, process. Look, look, look even. at that cool model. Imagine you being able to describe. Imagine I telling this. You now have a micro LLM sim or or agent running on your devices, and you can I'm describe totally it. This. What this you is is want. Practicality. That's you- what. Yeah. We know that far, man, we know that far. Apple is just releasing okay. a new thing with the open source. If you look at innovation on the open source LLMs, right, we get to the point where you're going to run it everywhere. Right? And and, and here's the thing I've been playing with, right? The 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 interesting part, and, and Amazon actually had a good gotcha on this. Microsoft had a good gotcha with Copilot. Top marks for the, for, who come up with that on that one, because it's a Copilot. But what Amazon, I think, will be right is the concept of foundational models, FMs. Mm-hmm. So I actually think the name of the game is not on customizing models. I actually think customizing models is fucking dangerous because we still don't understand how the hell that works, right? I think what you want is to have foundation models that become really good, that you understand very well how they behave, how they operate, what they do, and even the cost matrix of those models. And then you build prompts and workflows on top of it. And in a way, what you want is to run the cheapest possible model to achieve the same goal that you want so let's say that you want to have something that analyzes you know splunk logs or 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 you know what's it called PCAPs or you know the output of a freaking av or or, or edr or whatever zscale whatever tool you've got right you know and you want something to analyze it eventually you should be able to say well i don't need chat gpt 4 for that i probably need 3.5 oh, i probably need 2 i probably need llama i probably need this guy here and and this and then eventually the model comes small 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 smaller, smaller until you find you know the sweet spot right and, and that's why I was saying, like, so the foundational models becomes that ability to supercharge, right? an analysis where, and, and this is where I want to clarify, when I say intent, I'm not saying the intent of the AI, I'm saying the intent of the analyst that wrote the prompt, right? So when I write a prompt, I have an intent, right? And the intent might be, I want you to look at this, look at that, collect this, map this, here are the skulls, now give me these outputs. That's what I mean by intent, right? The the Gen AI is just a great way that I can explain this in English or in JSON or in whatever format I want, that before was... It's like before I needed half a million pounds of engineering to do that, right? And every time I want to change, I have to go back to my engineering and change everything. Where now you can modify the prompt, run it again, right? And that's very different. It's like code... Data is now code, and we need to start treating data and descriptions and prompts as code so it's like another abstraction layer right you go from assembly to c to python to prompts right so you know there you go you write your scripts in python i'm saying start writing your scripts in prompts right and then have toolkits around it right but then the explainability is super important because black magic has no space especially in sims i would argue that anything that happens that you can't explain is a p1 right it's like the freaking air force man like a door blows up of a plane they can't understand it they ground the fleet that's it like there's no there's no ifs there's no buts the same thing here we should have a case where a signal comes along we don't understand how it works the llm did something we don't get it ground it everybody p1 solve that problem right and that i think gives you a lot more confidence in the outputs and a lot more explainability at all these layers right so you don't have black magic where you have these layer 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 and then you can even use the LLMs to explain what each of the layer is doing and i want to do this with it. source code by the way because for me <laughs> you know I, I love the fact that people talk about llms hallucinate i'm like dude our fucking source code hallucinates right nobody understands the products that we build right that tell you like software above a certain amount uh, you can't find anybody who actually understands how that's, that that's thing not true actually- i i
4: always get upset when folks say that because that's It can be very expensive to decompose how an AI came to a solution, Um, but we absolutely know how AI work. We know how they uh, function. It's just... No, we don't. It's economically costly to go back, especially with like neural net AI to figure out how it came to understand a particular element but that abs. what you're talking about it, there, there's uh, actually a, a bit in a book called um the grounding or no, i'm sorry the alignment problem and they talk about uh how how that's not true like we we know what they do we've known how these AI
3: well then explain to me right like i haven't seen a good explanation. how <laughs> how does chargbt how gen ai where's the reasoning part of it because There's no I, reasoning, it's well, all there like let's, let's keep
4: it simple. Let's keep it simple, okay? So um, what a simple, uh, the best solution is, okay? You have some prompt and usually that goes into something like a vector database. And all vectors are, is just a fancy way yeah. of numerically representing yeah. some. It's CSV file, right? No. Terminator a CSV file. <laughs> doesn't even matter what those numbers are. As yeah. long as you're consistent and you have a uniform approach for how you yeah. vectorize whatever text you're using, you're going to wind up with this vector space where all these vectors are living in this database. Yeah. And then when a prompt comes in and you say, hey, I want to know this information, that prompt like that you enter into like a chat GPT or a Bard or whoever gets vectorized. Yeah. And that vector gets plopped into that vector space, and it says, oh, these two vectors right here are the ones that are closest to that particular prompt, and then starts using that as its content. I, I get so it, that's, but, the, but that's layered, right? So the part there's part. no reasoning. It can't reason. All it is is a database lookup.
3: Well, does like, that that's where i draw the line because in the past i could always see how most ai's was like that it's very binary but i give you an example you can go to an lm these days and say i here are 10 questions right here's a a knowledge base right i want you to write right you know questions i want to create a quiz in fact i want a quiz with seven questions or with five questions based on that data set and i want you to run as a host now think about it. Everything here is instructions, right? Like the only way to pull this off, right, is there has to be layers upon layers of intent, of logic, of mappings, right? And and even like you say, do this with humor, do this with dry, do this in bullet points. All those guidance, you know. My understanding is at the moment, what we know is that given enough compute, given enough vectors, given enough layers, there's layers that exist at the top that we don't fully understand right? That make that happen. But we, no, but look, okay. But point me to right because my understanding is that the way, for example, the way we can explain compute today doesn't exist on a gen AI model, because there's layers in there that were created with almost brute forcing of content and learning and learning and learning that we today are not able to explain how the output is created
4: yeah, so there are some there are some elements of, of this right now that are kind of strange. I, I will admit like some of the stuff like I've talked about vectors, for instance, a lot of times, um we're and I, I'm being very broad here. we I am not personally involved. I'm just talking about AI hackers and stuff. Yeah. um a lot of the stuff that we're uncovering is that um we don't know what the optimal vectorization process is yeah. so if you have say a reference document that you want to be able to ask questions how do you represent that in vector space in a way that is consumable you could make an entire page a single vector you could make a single word on the opposite side you could make a single word a vector but if you go that small, the vectors aren't going to be really yeah, helpful. Being, you need- yeah, you're going to get really weird answers. But if you go a full page, you're also probably going to get weird answers because a page would typically contain multiple uh, thoughts, you know, mm-hmm. multiple ideas. And what you're really trying to have is a way that your vector contains a Bite-sized, complete idea, but how do you know what the proper vectorization is yeah. to do that? Because actually, unless you have somebody saying, "Oh, this to this, that vectorize that," like, and nobody's got the time to do that.
3: Well, not at the time. So I think we need, that's we need something to
4: that I'm playing with is like yeah. you know, having um, multi-vectorization
3: of yeah. a particular data set. And, and, and Sean, I want to bring a topic that I think is super important here, which is. Part of the other reason why I really, so just to be clear, I'm a big fan, I think LLMs can modify the way, not just sims, but a lot of security space. The thing I would say is people don't put the LLMs in line, right, and i tell you one thing. This is, for the ones who've been security for a long time, this is like SQL injection on freaking steroids, right? Like we went from, or or buffer overflows, like on fucking like another level. Right? Because we went from data streams that we initially we didn't understand what it was. Then we realized, oh, maybe maybe copying data from A to B is not a good idea. Maybe concatenating string queries in databases is not a good idea, right? We went from, okay, now we understand that this bit of data is malicious. We're gonna parse it, analyze it. And we, you know, let's say SQL injection. We went from raw SQL concatenation to nice parameterized queries, separation of code and data, all that jazz. Right. Now we have the prompts, right? And and the thing the reason I'm very worried about prompts in line, not prompts to analyze other things, right? It's because I think we're going to see an insane type of attacks that we have not even dreamed on, right? So when, as we get better, like, I think we're going to have cases where people are going to do jailbreaking. It's not even jailbreaking. They're going to start telling the freaking models to completely change their behavior. It's almost like you have to imagine that we have no evidence that you cannot, through a prompt, Actually, completely change. It's a bit like you have SQL injection that patches not just the query, but patches the, 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 the code at whatever level you want, right? Imagine a SQL injection query that you're patching SQL server or SQL themselves or the kernel or the server or the OS, right? So I think putting things in line that making decisions based on prompts that come from hostile environments, which by the way, you know, seems are, right? It's, it's borderline crazy, right? And I don't think, and that's why when people says, oh, I just feed the data to LLM and, and let it do the analysis. I'm like, dude, wait until you see the kind of exploits, because then, you know, remember we said that we are the epicenter, right? We become one of the best place to attack, right? <laughs> you freaking attack, you pop the seam, right? You know, you, you pop the seam, you pop the organization, right? So yeah. Uh, yeah, that's why I like to put LLMs to augment analysis, but also, I, More and more, I want to find ways that everything the LLM does is version controlled. And it's almost like we need to use LLMs to LLMs and to analysis. That it's almost like code is still the best thing we have. Data is still the best deterministic things we have. So the LLMs should be creating the code and should be creating the data, right? But it's all version controlled, right? Or else, you know, you're going to see some crazy shit, you know. When, when people put a prompt. It's a bit like, you know the, the cool SQL C- injection that you put a, a, C- a payload in a form field that was executed four streams down when it actually hits the final thing that literally transverse your entire organization, even companies, and suddenly that, that simple SQL query that you put in, or that payload that you put in, is then loaded up, let's say, you know JavaScript injection, right? It's finally loaded up on some sim analyst dude that is actually reviewing the data and then that pops the whole organization, right? Because you put the payloads in the failed password attempt, right, or the the username, right? And guess who sees all the failed usernames is the people who are analyzing failed usernames, right? So I I think prompt injection is gonna be massive, right?
4: It is gonna be a problem. There's no two ways around it. Anybody who says otherwise, I think is delusional the other thing that i'm worried about too is that we're kind of training people to trust these machines more than they should be and um you know you may have heard of that g-i-g-o and a lot of people think it stands for garbage in garbage out with the realm of ai what i'm worried about and this comes from a buddy of mine john strand he says it's garbage in gospel out and but that always happened, right?
3: Is, is that yeah, different than what we have
4: I've today? I've seen so many t- times when people just blindly trust the output of these these models mm-hmm. of these tools, and you know, I I think that they can be great force multipliers, but you need to treat them as like interns. You know, like sometimes they give you delightful and very meaningful yeah. insights. Other but we times, have
3: that problem already today? Right? So like, crazy. But we have that problem today, right? right?
2: And I'm and I'm gonna say we do, and I'm gonna because we're getting close to to the time here. (laughs) I'm happy to have another session, but what I want to do is because one of the things that was sticking in my mind was false positives. You kind of touched on that a little bit, there, Mick. And Mm -hmm. so what I want to do as we as we wrap here, if you were to pick one thing that the sim could do in 2024. With AI, let's assume let's assume you put your fears away for a moment, <laughs> and, and some of the things you talked about. I, I want to know what what's that what's the area in the sim that would benefit from AI in twenty twenty four? Who wants to go first? Where, where would you where would you spend your money making the sim better with AI? So, you
4: know. The, the sim vendors will never, ever do this, and they'll actively try to stop it. But I do feel that it, not LLM, but other AI tools would be exquisitely helpful in reducing the gigs per day, the um, events per second, whatever your license model is. Those tools inside a sim would be exquisitely is it telling you what the noise is that can be cut down they have perverse economic incentives to make sure that that never ever gets deployed
3: but that that's changing by the way there's some sim providers who are playing on that game and i think i think the market will change very quickly i I would
4: love that those the the, anyone like the the market is way open for disruption well
3: i can name them i say chronicle plays that game right Chronicle says, "Just dump everything. We won't charge you for that."
4: Cripples, playing some really
3: cool stuff. Exactly. So, so I would actually echo what what Mike said. I think the place where I would use LLMS in twenty four is to clean up your data, and is and I would say that reducing the gigabytes of injection is not the objective; is the side effect of having better signals, where you can use. The LLMs to understand better what you got, and to help you with the parsers, with the data, with the mapping. So you reduce the amount of noise in a way that you get to the sim. So you improve what you get on the other side, right? So, and this is where I I will go. So the reason I say you know LLMs belong to the heart of the sim is because they can play that role of making the sim more efficient in ways that before we couldn't scale. Right, like in in before, it would be impossible for me to go to my team and say, "Hey guys, I would like to see an analysis of those five data feeds for value, for this, for that. You know, what what are you ingesting? What's in there? Explaining every single field, explaining everything that's going on, it would be impossible. Right now, you can feed that to an LLM, you can feed that to the environment, so. I would say use the LLMs to make the sims more productive, and and now maybe going full circle. And yes, some of those things you can do, you don't need a freaking Gen AI for that. Right? Like you just you, know, you can just apply common sense. But I think there's a there's a diminishing returns that you hit if you're not powered by your Gen AI, you know, rocket ships, right? And and as you hit them, that's when you apply the Gen AI. So make your sim and your data and your team. More productive, I feel that's that's where I would put the gen a i in in the mix
2: I love it I love it you you guys are amazing i i uh I had my popcorn here
3: <laughs> <That's> like, well, <laughs> we did went I, up some I, rabbit I, holes but I think we yeah. we come out of it
2: I tried to pretend that I knew what knew what was going on half the time but uh now you you guys are really cool. I appreciate uh all your all your perspectives and insights and uh Clearly, you have your fingers in all the good, good fun stuff that uh, I don't get to deal with anymore, which is a By the way, bummer I'm, in some I'm, I'm hiring,
3: right, and I'm hiring lots of freelancers. So if anybody has time and they want to join a, a really great um, model, so I'm do plug. So as long as you can work through Upwork, we, we, we can hire talent, right? You know, So I'm building the best possible team. You know, I can assemble. So that's my, my plug. So if you guys yeah, want to yeah. do this kind of stuff, right, you know, ping ping, ping me, we'll, we'll, we'll get you guys on board, right? And then we'll see if it works or not.
2: Love it. We always need more more analysts and uh, people in the socks. And, and
3: sure. more diverse. Right, I actually final little thing. This is a great opportunity for more diverse candidates from other industries to join cybersecurity mm-hmm. because it's a freaking shit show, right? Like we need better thinking. We need talent. We need people with fresh perspectives. So neurodiversity, women, now this is the best time to join in, right? Because, you know, it's so ripe for disruption and we need better thinking. We need new, fresh batch of talent. You're like, the way I look at it, you, you take a PhD person, right? Or you take somebody who worked at the local restaurant, right? Like I, I build an amazing instance response people, like literally work from home, moms from Wales, right? Middle of nowhere, you know, took the kids to school with content writers. They become some of the best instance responders I ever had because they're logical, they have common sense, they understand. So we need a lot more talent, right? To join in our industry. And I think now is a great time to do it because it's, again, Gen AI allows those individuals to supercharge their learnings in a way that in the past I just couldn't, right? You know, but now now you can, and I think it's a great opportunity. So let's bring on the talent.
2: And uh, with that, I want to I want to thank you both, and Mick, I want to thank you as well. Um, I mean, you're you're always thinking and sharing, and uh, clearly this this conversation was spurred spawned from uh from that post that you made so uh keep keep doing the good work keep yeah. uh keep sharing and, and getting us all to think and and getting us to talk to each other It's really cool I, I always always enjoy having you on the show dennis you as well good to have you on again there. too yeah. who knows maybe we'll do another one maybe casey will yeah,
3: get the next time. casey in, right
2: <laughs> well we'll get the whole uh how, how do you uh, hack the system and how do you disclose stuff properly uh from him but anyway, for now, thank you both, and Cheers. Uh, Cheers. of course we'll we'll link to the posts uh, and uh, please do share. Uh, this is a conversation that needs to go around for sure, and I, I suspect people will have their own thoughts on whether it belongs yeah. or it doesn't belong, and if so, where or where not. Mm-hmm. Uh, so please please comment on the threads uh, that the thread that Mick posted in, uh, and and uh, on our post on ITSP Magazine. So thanks, everybody. Talk to you soon.
1: Devo unlocks the full value of machine data for the world's most instrumented enterprises. The Devo Data Analytics Platform addresses the explosion in volume of machine data and the crushing demands of algorithms and automation. Learn more at Devo.com. Imperva is the cybersecurity leader whose mission is to protect data and all paths to it with a suite of integrated application and data security solutions. Learn more at imperva.com.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of Redefining Cybersecurity with Sean Martin, part of the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network. If you learned something new and this conversation made you think, then share this show and itspmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to connect your brand with our conversations, you can sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.